Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller. I am joined here with Jason Jackson and... Curtis Johnson. <laughs> Curtis is actually eating Cheetos during this podcast. I can't wow. believe this is so unprofessional. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Sayville podcast. <laughs> we haven't done uh, we haven't done this group in a long time. There's a reason, probably. <laughs> We're bad at it. <laughs> no, this will be fun. Cheetos are good. Don't there, knock my Cheetos. There's a time for everything. Yep, there is a time for everything. <laughs> So yeah, we just got back from uh, men's men's retreat. We were just talking about that, and uh, that was a great time being together with the men of Sailorville. And um, those are just special times to be able to connect, to hang out, to talk, and challenge one another. I just really enjoyed it uh, being together. What was your highlight, actually, Abe? You slept in a tent and you yeah. spoke, and you you know we you did that a was a highlight. Things. I, I think just the idea of having all of the guys in one room together talking about man topics and what the Bible says about it. I I don't know. There's just like this, we're in battle together. We're fighting together. We got each other's backs. You know, God's called us to lead, to be godly men. I I just think that's a, I don't know. There's something special about that. Just being intentional about it. It did feel like family, didn't it? It felt like, you know, there was enough guys where you could get to know new guys and there was a small enough group where you could you know, just kind of build relationships with the guys that were there and kind of do things together. It's really great. And the panels were awesome. The Q&A stuff, Curtis, you moderated those really well. It was fun to see guys from Sailorville up there answering questions. They rocked it. Mm-hmm. I was encouraged this morning. I had a conversation with a uh, young adult, actually, who was there. And he said, I wish it was longer. Mm-hmm. That was his one piece of feedback, which was just really encouraging because yeah. uh, I think – from from my perspective, being the YA director here is just getting to see young adults crave time with people that are outside of their generation. Um, they're a little bit older than them. That time, you know, just time together, collective as the body. That it that mm-hmm. really encouraged my heart. Yeah, and there were a lot of there were a lot of younger guys there, which I thought was great too, just to be able to get some of that truth and gold nuggets of just wisdom and you know as they're younger you know just coming into whatever they have in the future whatever's mm-hmm. coming so mm-hmm. okay well hey we're we're here talking about uh, the message from Sunday you are what you wear from Jason you preached that message out of Ephesians 4 and um, it was just really good really good I'm excited to have some of the, some discussion about some of these questions but quickly give us a for those who didn't get to listen to the message yet? Just give us a quick overview of kind of where you went there. Yeah. So you talked about the sort of the main line that the big idea there is you are what you wear, not just from a physical sense, although we joked about that a little bit, but really much more from a spiritual sense. And it comes from Ephesians chapter four, uh, 17 through 24. And uh, the the big idea there central to that, at least that passage is put off your old self in verse 22 and then put on the new self in verse 24. And so Paul sort of surrounds that central idea of putting off and putting on uh, with this great instruction on what that actually looks like, especially from the putting off side. Hey, can I read the passage? Is that all right to begin this with? Okay, Mm -hmm. so we're starting in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. This is the English Standard Version. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They become callous and have, been give, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. 
But that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have learned about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. So here it is, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and then to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So that whole idea of you are what you wear comes from that put off old self, who we are before Christ, and then put on regularly um, what God has actually given us at salvation, if you're a believer, which is the new self. Yeah, was it? I love the illustration too of uh, you had two different pieces of clothing on the um, on the mm-hmm. stage: the old ratty, nasty, dirty mm-hmm. sweatshirt, and then the nice like sport coat, which I thought was a great illustration of of yeah what we were before Christ and now mm-hmm. what we are. And and I know that was um, Curtis. I know that was something that kind of gripped you too. Maybe we can talk about later. Um, just about that visual picture of, of what that looked like. Um, so you had, you had, uh, four, four, uh, characteristics of the old self, uh, you went through. So I was just kind of, it'd be fun to kind of just talk through these different things and, and, you know, looking at our lives before Christ and what that looked like. You, you actually said, you know, one thing about like, stop saying you're a Christian, but still walking like an unsaved person, you know, which I think is a, that seems to be kind of the, we got a lot of people out there talking about, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I love Jesus, but like by the way they live, it seems like they're, they're still wearing their old clothes. Like what, why is that? Like what, what's going on there in people's, in people's hearts that say like, well, I am a Christian. I go to church. I go to Sailorville. I go to another church, but yet like outside of these walls, it's not matching up. Like what's going on there? I think you said something. Uh, so the first thing you said to put off was futility. And uh, I can't remember what service you said it, but, or, or maybe I wrote this in my notes on my own. I might be crazy, <laughs> but for some reason under this, under this point I have, it's like trying to catch the wind. Mm-hmm. And so many times in my own life, because I really want to think about my life first, that I sell my heart out for these things that are so cheap and so dumb and so not eternal. Yeah. Temporary uh, for sure. And and when you put it in the perspective of like trying to catch the wind, that that's what that's the race I'm running mm. in in choosing to live for those things and to choose those lifestyles or those moments of gratifying my flesh. And so, why wouldn't I be exhausted? What well, I am exhausted when I live like that. Like and uh, for for me that 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 word pictured like sold it where when you think about futility, cause it is a Bible word. Like you said, it's like, okay, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> futility. But it, but when you say it like that, okay, we're, we're running for things that can't be really caught. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about a lesser glory of things that we sell out for or that we live for other than other than God, mm-hmm. it's just, it's going to be exhausting. Yeah. It's empty, right? I mean, that's the whole idea behind Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity, everything's vanity. So, so Solomon chased after all that stuff. And at the end he said, all those temporary things, even though I can chase after them and I might even get them, even if I do get them, it doesn't mean anything because I'm not going to take them with me mm-hmm. into eternity. And so in the, in the big picture of eternity, all of those things that we chase after can, can really be, um, useless or vain or empty or purposeless. And so um, I think there's something there for us, you know, from a, from a work. And actually, John Nemers talked about that two weeks ago. You know, our, our, when we have purpose, it gives us perspective on our work. 
not just our work, but everything that we do. So if we're seeing what we're doing in light of eternity and how can I use this to make more people more like Jesus for eternity, uh, then it really does change our perspective, which then changes how we work or how we speak or how we interact with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. You, you made a comment about our schedules and you know events and stuff that we have when you're talking about put off futility. And you said something along the lines of like, how can I see this as specific event as a way to point people to Jesus? Which I thought was a really good, which it was a good point because we do have a lot of things where our schedules are full mm-hmm. where you know, we're running from here to there. And especially if you have kids, you're all over the mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you guys do that? How do you guys look at your schedules, look at your events, look at stuff that you, that you say yes to, right? You, you block off a period of time on your schedules. How do you like practically walk through that process in your mind when you are getting ready to go to something or attend something or be a part of something? Yeah. So there are some things that we probably can't choose, right? We ha- we have to go to work. We have to drop our kids off at school. We have to eat meals, you know, those types of things. We have to pay taxes, that sort of stuff. But even in those things, I think if we have a perspective of how can I do this in a in a, uh, with a mindset of worship, with a mindset of if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it like Jesus would do it, then I think that changes how we do it, um, which, is, which is really a motivational thing. And then there are things that we can choose. You know, we can choose what we do with our evenings sometimes. We can choose what we do, uh, you know, sometimes during our job. We can choose who we hang out with and how long and what we say, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And I think especially those things that we can choose, we need to really we need to really have that perspective of, uh, am I choosing to do something that's actually going to help me or someone else be more like Christ? Or is this just futile? Is it just wasted time? Or am I chasing after something or trying to earn something here that's only going to be temporarily good for me? Mm-hmm. And if it's only temporarily good, um, you know, then maybe we should skip it. Mm. I think we always have to be ready to give an answer, like mm. Peter said. Yeah. And what came to my mind was a story that happened recently Um that is honestly a pretty dang good story. So these crazy young adults graffitied my house and put uh, syrup all over my driveway. And they it, graffitied your house with syrup. Yes. Okay. Not technically your house though. To, I mean, that would be mean. This no, is your driveway. Would, Not spray paint. I Well, okay. It looked like spray paint because <laughs> they put down the syrup and then they followed the syrup with this orange glitter and they spelled out why in the driveway and they put a hundred little like tiki umbrellas oh, staked into my yard. They love you. Abe's never had stuff like and that happen no. as a youth pastor. No. Okay, but we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. So what happened was I didn't even know that they had done this to my driveway because I was in the yard picking out all the umbrellas that they had staked into the grass one by one. And so my neighbor, Mark, across the street, who I do not know very well, is like, hey, Curtis, what, what's going on in your driveway over here? Because my, my house faces, the driveway faces a different direction than where I was. And I'm like, oh, no. And I walked over to my driveway, discovered what had happened. But what what then happened was with Mark, he offered me his power washer, which was very, very kind. And he asked, what do you do uh, because of what had happened? Right. And so... Who did this to you? Yeah. Who, who did that? Was these your friends? I'm like, yeah. eh, I don't know if I'd call them friends right now. <laughs> um, but I think in that moment, that was... And he's a guy that I honestly don't know very well. And so... 
uh, we were struggling not to be a little upset with spending an hour power washing syrup off our driveway when really I, at the end of the day, I said, God, God gave me an opportunity to speak in that moment and to say, I, I actually work, you know, for a church, I work with college kids. And so like that, that principle of being ready, it's just not always what you think it's going to be. And so I think we just have to walk into many situations, wherever we are, attract me, anything with open hands, ready to say, God, if you want me to answer now, I will. Yeah. So great story and way to use that, you know, to turn the conversation to something of spiritual value, because even having that conversation where you don't see it in light of eternity, you don't talk to Mark about some, some sort of, yeah, this is what I do and why I do it. Exactly. That's still a futile conversation if you don't turn it in the long run. Yeah. So, you know, something that you wouldn't have chosen uh, that led to a conversation that you had the opportunity to share. This is what I do, not just what I do, but why I do it. Mm-hmm. And everybody can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has a job or something they do every day or a hobby or what they enjoy. And we can talk about why we do that. And if we can't talk about it in a way that points people to Jesus, then maybe we should rethink what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's easy. I mean, personally, it's easy for me to be selfish in those moments, right? Because it's like I have... I have um, a plan. I have a schedule. I have things I want to get done or whatever, you know, like, and then, and then God brings those moments into my life. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's, I'm not, I don't have a perfect track record on that. Right. I, which I probably, probably don't, all of us don't, but I mean, just mm-hmm. the idea of being ready in those moments, like you said, I think that, that's a great challenge for all of us to just not be like, Oh, I, I turn it off and now I turn it back on and then I turn it off. Like, I don't want to right now, Lord. I want to just be selfish. I just want to do my own thing. It's, I want to be comfortable, right? I don't want to, mm-hmm. um, I think we have to be definitely careful with and that. And as people in ministry, I think, honestly, we have to, I, I get, I have this perspective coming full time in this last year. It's hard not to have a secular job. And I think so. It it is even interesting perspective from from my point of view or from our point of view, where I think it's e- even more essential for us to say when I walk into that gas station, this is this is an opportunity. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. have a secular work environment where I'm brushing up every day necessarily with unbelievers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So let's say somebody works downtown or whatever at office building or or maybe works mobily and they've they've got a Zoom meeting or they've got a face to face meeting. How how do they how do they and it has nothing to do with Christianity, nothing to do with church, nothing to do with what you read in the Bible this morning. You know, these are totally marketplace meetings. How would you tell that guy, that girl, um, to use that opportunity to point someone to Jesus? Are you asking me? Yeah, sure. What do you think? I mean, you're dealing with a bunch of college, career, young mm-hmm. professional type people. How do you tell them that? So, it implies relationship, right? I think a lot of what you mm. what you say goes to the level of how you what you know about a person and how how you know them. And so, there. When I think back to when I worked in a secular environment, I had very different levels of conversations with different people, mm-hmm. and. Um, some people came to me saying X, Y, and Z. What What would Jesus do in this situation? Oh, hello, open door. Wow. Uh, but for other situations where you you have to, you're living out, you're living a testimony out in front of them. And so sometimes it's spoken, sometimes it's not. But at, at, in one way or another, you're showing them what Jesus looks like and how he responds. And so yep. Yep. Uh, in in oftentimes it was the smallest ways where, 
I would be able to share my my perspective. For for me, it was kids often because people would ask me, do you and Lisa have children? And I would say, no, we don't. And they would say, well, is that hard for you? Are you getting, you know, what are you doing? And I would say it it, it can be, but ultimately in, in my worldview, I trust in a God who, who mm. controls everything. Mm-hmm. And I know that you may not share that. And I like this was verbatim the conversation. But but at the end of the day, I can put my head on the pillow and, and say, I trust God. Mm. And if my life is better without kids, then he's going to keep it that way. And so it's those types of conversations that start to add up where, okay, did I share the gospel in that moment? Maybe not. But it will lead to a conversation where one day I can say, can I tell you what I really believe about God and what he's done for me? Because mm-hmm. now you trust me, now you love me, and mm-hmm. now you know my world. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yep, that's, that's great. really good. Yep, good example. All right, let's move on to the second point. Put off darkness, uh, Ephesians 4.18. You used the illustration of the cave being down in the cave and they turn <laughs> the lights off and it's pitch black, you know, and <laughs> I can just see you down on your hands and knees, <laughs> quivering, ridiculous. shaking. Oh, yeah, I was petrified. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, but then you talked about, um, uh, some things going on in your own life and just this, you know, you're kind of struggling of, you know, God, what's going on or whatever. And, and you shared, uh, Proverbs three, five and six, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own, own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Mm-hmm. Um, God, God allows things into my life that I can't control or fix so that I trust in God and wait for him. I thought that was just a really good, and you even you even said when when your wife said, uh, "Well, why don't you open you know Bible to Proverbs three? And you're <laughs> yeah. like, "I need some real advice, you know, <laughs> like this is this is lame. Come on, you know." I, I just thought that was that was good. It's a great moment for me. Yeah, really, really good moment as a dad, a husband, <laughs> as, a as a Christian, as a pastor. Yep. You know, one of my proudest. One He's of our, our leader. One of our <laughs> elders, right there, people. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, as I said on Sunday, I can still be a Christian, right? Mm, because everybody you else better dig yourself out of the hole. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, I mean it's just a great it's just a great illustration of what we okay what I what I do often right I try to I come up against a question or an obstacle or some kind of frustration or situation and I think okay how in my own enlightenment how in my own understanding am I going to get through this and really I, you know this is confession time probably one of the reasons I I do that often is because I want to get the credit for something that comes out of that. Like, Oh, look what I figured out or look at the solution or look at the fix that I, or look at the whatever. And the truth is God actually puts me into those situations or I allow myself to get into that darkness to use the Bible word, um, so that he can come through so that he can prove that he is trustworthy. And I need to look at my own heart and realize that, uh, sometimes I'm chasing after the wind. I'm Mm -hmm. chasing after a solution, chasing after my own understanding so that maybe I can be the guy that stands up sometime and says, look what I've figured out. And God is saying, I have to believe this. It's not about you, buddy. Mm -hmm. It's about me. And so I may plunge you in, you know, to use the illustration in a different way. I may, I may allow you to be in the darkness, you know, quivering on your hands and knees with your heart racing and just sort of suffocating and misunderstanding or not understanding until you find me, until you admit that I'm the only one that turns the light switch on. Yeah. So how, how do the, the, the people listening to this, you know, they may be in the situation right now, right? Where they're just having a hard time trusting the Lord. They're not, they can't see, Mm -hmm. they can't see. They're just, everything seems dark to them. Mm -hmm. And what, what do you say to them when, What's going on in their heart at the end of the day? What's what's actually happening there? 
because we, you know, we always say, Hey, trust the Lord, you know, I'm praying for you. Trust the Lord, read your Bible more <laughs> or whatever the, the Christian things that we say, but like practically, I think people are like, yeah, but I'm, I need more than that. Right. Jason. I mean, like I need, I need, I want more than that. How, what do we say to those people that are going through that right now? And just, they're in a dark spot and they just can't see God in the midst of all of it. I, I don't know everybody's situation, right? But in in my own life, I guess my opinion would be I'm often asked I'm often looking for a solution very quickly. It's in my timing. I'm looking to get out of something that's uncomfortable. And God's main goal for my life is not for me to uh, get out of an uncomfortable situation, but to be more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. So I want to be comfortable. He wants me to be like Christ. And so I'm looking for quick solutions very often. And maybe God is saying, hey, this, this is the wilderness for you. You need to walk through this with me. You need to be here for, you know, 40 days, 40 years or or longer. Um, I've got you here for a reason, and there's no quick fix to this. I'm not going to show this to you until I'm ready to show it yeah, to you. Yeah, but I've been praying about it. I've been going to community group. I've been reading my Bible, and it's still not happening. Yeah, and in all those things, with the right motivation, you have drawn closer to the Lord, which mm. is ultimately one of his desires for us. So why in the world would he take something? Here's the thing. Why would he take something from us that is causing us to draw closer to him mm. when we respond right? Does there that make sense? Yeah. I thought about that, right? So if if our response in a difficulty is to draw closer to him, then why in the world would he remove that difficulty from us? He loves us. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to be in his word. He wants us to respond like Jesus would. But if removing that discomfort in our lives makes me turn away from him and rely on myself, then why wouldn't he leave that in in my life? I don't know. We're just not promised comfort. I think that's what what we have to understand. Um, we're not we're not promised the the breakthrough that we like to to draw up in our minds sometimes or believe that may come like, well, yeah, it, it's all going to be better. Romans eight, you know, means good in the way we think good. When, when Paul says all things work together for good, what, what will I still worship? Will you know, you, you made a statement, behavioral change when beliefs change. Mm. So, okay. Will my faith still be childlike? Will my faith still be rooted, grounded, even if the answer comes that I don't want or the comfortable answer, because you, like what you're saying, it, we're just not promised the, the comfort or the answer that we want. But it, but it, that, that like actually brings me hope weirdly, because if God kn- is who he says he is and he knows what he is doing, then like you're saying, why would God take something out of my life? That's actually going to make me more like himself because that's the goal. Yeah. It's hard for us to think of, especially in our Western culture, right? I mean, everything's about us. Everything's about comfort. We we want something, we can get it for the most part, or we can wait a, a couple of days and then get it then, or put it on layaway, or put it on credit. Or <laughs> That's just not biblical Christianity all the time. Mm. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, okay, we'll move on to the next one. Put off deadness uh, in 418 as well. You talked about um, John 1010, the good shepherd. Yeah which is one of your favorite verses. Um, we're talking about being spiritually alive, um, what that looks like, you'll grow. You know, How are you more like Jesus than you were a week ago or a month ago? Or, um, Which is a question we have asked, I think, in the past too, you know, like, hey, how are you more like Jesus? And uh, which is what we're about. And 
you know, hopefully the answer you get is, yeah, I am, I am more like Jesus. I've grown. I've gone through the darkness. I, I am closer because of the pain and the suffering and stuff that I went to. Um, what, if, what if somebody answers that question, though, like, I'm not growing? What, what do we say to them? What if the pe- people listening right now are just like, man, when I think back over the last year, I have a hard time seeing it. I haven't really sensed it, felt it. No one said anything to me. What do we say to those people? Are your grave clothes off? Mm. Yeah, that's a re- that's a really good first question. And this is not like a guilt or shame kind of thing, and you're not trying to grind anything into anybody. But I do think you have to ask, like between you and God, are you have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Are have you been made new? Are you a believer? Number one, if you're not. If you're not a believer, then you can't grow. If you're not alive spiritually, you can't grow. Dead things don't grow. That's the definition of death, right? Not growing. So first of all, are you a believer? Number two, is is there some kind of sin in your life that you're not confessing that's actually... Uh, plunging you into that darkness. You're putting on that that dark grave clothes kind of outfit, right? Um, God's not going to bless that when you have unconfessed, unconfessed sin in your life. We see that all throughout the Old Testament especially. And then I think, you know, if, you've, if you're confessed up and your list is short and you're good with other people, then you've got to ask God, are you, are, you just at, are you just putting me into this situation to um, to, to draw me closer to you? Is this, a, is this a specific time in my life where you are okay with me being um, going through something uncomfortable or difficult. And again, what's the response? My response has to be to draw closer to him. So if I'm not growing, either I'm not a believer or I am a believer and I'm not, and and I'm living in sin, or maybe I'm just in a really difficult situation right now. And and that could be temporary depending on my response. Mm -hmm. I think I also think about the people in your life Mm. and, um, you know, we are better together. And so are you listening? If, if you're that person asking that question, I would say, have you asked that to someone close to you that you love and trust or that you would even say as a mentor, we're going to assume that you're walking with Jesus, that you're in Christ, that you have someone in your life that loves you and is saying like, what, like, why are the pieces not fitting together for me? And, and cause unconfessed sin is part of it, but there's also like, there's sin that I'm blind to. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I don't even know what I, that, 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 that sin is in my life and someone needs to walk beside me and say, you know, like Abe smacks me on the face and says, bro, there's X, Y, and Z. And, and so many times in my life, it's like, oh, you're right. And so as much as it can be stuff that we squelch down, sometimes it's stuff we don't even know about. And in terms of sin. And so I think people in that scenario are your biggest friends and that God uses as, as catalysts to, to reveal some gross things maybe in your life that are killing that seed of fruit that wants to grow into fruit. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's a great, so fruit is a great word there because I think Abe, your question is what if I'm not growing? Well, how am I defining growth? Is mm-hmm. it, is it, man, I have more stuff than I did last, last year. So God must really love me or I must mm-hmm. be getting closer to Jesus because I feel happier about my life right now. Or my kids really obeying as opposed to a month ago when he was a demon child or whatever. Yeah. Is that, is that an indication that you're growing? Well, indication that you're growing is you're living by the fruits, Curtis's mm-hmm. word, yeah. fruits of the spirit, right. you know, love, joy, gentleness, patience, peace, all those things. Am, am I exhibiting those things more or in a deeper way is mm-hmm. probably a better way to say that than I was a year ago or whatever. 
not do I have more stuff or is my job better or am I making more money or is my kid more well-behaved? That doesn't indicate growth. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, I think we talked about this several weeks ago too, about um, just encouragement. Like when we see that in somebody that we're around, like yeah. to be able to say that to them, right? Yes. Like I see Jesus in you. I see you, you have, you are more joyful than you were a year ago. You are more patient than you were ago. You are leading your family better than you were, you know, like that's good. We got to get better at that. And I think, I think the, also the other idea there is the evidence, like what you said, Jason, of, you know, where is the evidence? We should be able to see the evidence just like if someone's a basketball player or a musician, you would see evidence that they can actually shoot a basket and dribble and do the things that are, we should see that in, in Christians as well, right? We should see yeah. those things happening. Yeah. And you know, great example, you know who sees those things the best are the people that are on that guy's team or on that woman's team, right? The people that spend the most time yeah. with them. They, yeah. they see the maybe sometimes slow growth. And so, you know, we just come off a men's retreat. If you don't have people in your life that can look at you, like Curtis said, and say, Hey, I see you growing in this way. Or I don't see you growing in this way. You know, get into a community group. Get with a group of guys. If you're if you're a woman, listen out there. You know, talk talk to a group of women. Meredith and I laid in bed the night Sunday night after we you know after I preached this, and we asked each other some of these questions. I mean, that's a tough thing to talk to your wife about, right? You know, she loves me and she's going to tell me the truth, but um, but we had to work through some of these things. In fact, one of the questions she asked was this next one: Where do you see me more callous? to sin than I was, you know, a year ago or whatever, which is the next point. Yeah, no, and that, that was a great, I loved the illustration that you shared on that point of the callousness of the, you running and the blisters. And like, that was just, it was a great word picture. And yeah, you started to feel nothing once the calluses started. Right. And I think that's, that's essentially what's happening in our hearts. Um, and, and, and if, if, if we say we're Christians and we have the spirit of the spirit of God living in us, how, how, what happens? How do we become callous? Like what, not, not just jumping from, I love Jesus and I'm walking with Jesus to now I'm callous. But like, what, what are the small steps in there? What, what slowly starts to happen? Hmm. Step by tiny step by tiny step by tiny step. And all of a sudden goes, I don't feel anything. I'm completely numb to the sin around me and what I'm doing. Especially young adults, Curtis. How how is that? How is that happening? Mm. Little bit by little bit by little bit. Well, when you talk about young adults, it's a lot about it is what's on the throne of what's on the throne of my heart right now, mm. and what idols am I choosing to maybe put there in place of God? I think to answer that question, you have to have a right view of God, and you have to have a right view of sin. Um, mm. The more that I forget that God is holy, the only one holy, the only thing holy that I will and can ever know um, and that anything from faith, not from faith, excuse me, is sin mm. and, and wrongs goes against that, that perfect Holy God, then we we're off somewhere. And so whether that's, whether that me, whether that's me thinking, well, it's fine, it's little, or I'm not going to tell anyone or, or first I'm not going to confess to the Lord any step like that, um, where that 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 foundational theology of who God is and what sin is, starts to like morph, and I'm like imagining this warped, gross-looking picture. The more and more I choose to live like that, 
And then we start to put things on the throne of our heart that are are temporary. They're not full of glory. They're not anything close to holiness. And we start to think, well, those things satisfy. Or, you know, I just need a good job or I just need a, a girlfriend and then I'll be complete. You know, things I hear in the young adult world mm-hmm. all the time. And, well, okay, well, how, I didn't wake up saying I just need to be married and then I'll be fulfilled. Right. It was a long road of me selling out and choosing to lessen the holiness and glory of our God and say, it's not that big of a deal. Like my sin is just sin or it's a little white lie or it's a whatever, or no one else knows or that kind of stuff. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's really good because we can make these little decisions that seem inconsequential Mm -hmm. when we make them, but the more we, the more little decisions we make, the further away we are from where God wants us to be. You know, if there's, if there's sinful decisions and we can, we can go to bed at night and say, man, that wasn't great, but oh, well, it was just a tiny little thing. And then the next day we wake up, not back to where we were before that decision, but we wake up where we are now because we made that decision. We make another sinful decision or implement another sinful habit. Now we're going to be a lot further away from where we started. So Mm -hmm. it's a good word i think moving slowly away from where we should be which is in in the center of god's will more like jesus the way we say it here um it's a slow fade sometimes but you know a year from now we look back and think oh my goodness how did i get there which is why we need people that are close enough to look at us and say yikes dude you're you're a ways away from where you were a month ago what's going on in your heart right now why are you watching that stuff when a year ago you wouldn't be watching that or why Mm -hmm. are you going to those places when a year ago, you would say, no, 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 I got to stay away from that. And it's so much about the posture of my heart, because yeah. if I if I don't have an awe of God and who he is and, and am hard after him, then all of that stuff starts to make sense in my human brain where like, this is okay. Well, and it feels better like that sweatshirt, right? I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it feels just so comfortable and so natural and so default and like, man, this must be good for me because it feels good. Right. Well, we all know that's not like a great life motto. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and you even you even said that it's in time the, for a Cheeto in the message. <laughs> uh, find someone who knows you well, yeah. and then like what you and Meredith were talking about. Do you see any areas in my life that I've become more callous? Mm-hmm. Right, like asking mm-hmm. that question. Like that's not that's not a fun question, but that that is the whole idea of community group. Right, you got people around you who know you, who see you, who there's consistency, and all of a sudden you start seeing something like something's not quite right. Something's not. Mm-hmm. something's off, right? But yeah. you only get that when you hang out with each other a lot. Otherwise, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't. But the more I'm with you, the more I'm like, something's wrong with you, Jason. Something's off, right? I can see like you've become more callous or whatever. So, yeah, you, you get that when you hang out with each other more, but it has to be more than just hanging out with each other. It's not just time. It's, it's time building deeper relationships and deeper relation. You can maintain a relationship as you spend time with somebody, but unless you're asking some of these hard questions and Abe, you brought up several of them at the men's retreat, which I thought were really good. But unless you're asking stuff like this, like, so here's a bold statement. If you're meeting like with a community group or with a group of friends, you know, weekly or regularly or whatever, and you're not asking questions like this, if you're not really pointing people to Jesus and pointing out sin in your own life and in the lives of others, then maybe what you're doing is futile. You may be in a community group. You may be coming to church every Sunday. You may be given to the Lord somehow. But if you're doing, if you're not doing it with the right motivations and you're not digging down below the surface, maybe what you're doing is futile because ultimately you're not making a difference for eternity in that. Mm. Yeah. And your point in this section to 
the longer that I follow Jesus, the more sensitive I should be to my own sin. I think that's where I sat at the end of the service in the most. We have to bat. We cannot sit. You cannot sit in community group and 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 we're not advocating for you to sit there and say, well, I see this, I see this, I see this. <laughs> in the right? lives like, of other people. Right. You mean. Yeah, 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 right as right, the person right. you're sitting next yeah. to on the couch and saying, well, I saw how you responded to your wife and <laughs> you're screwed. You know, like that, that's not like Jesus. Well, okay. I have to see my own sin as, and as first and worst. And okay. so when we were sitting there, well, we were worshiping at the end of the sermon and you had left the jacket up there on the stage and it was just hanging there and you had taken your coat with you. And so it was the only thing hanging there. And uh, that, that moved me probably the most the whole morning yeah. where I was looking at there and I'm like, that, that's actually my sin. And so I don't, I, ha I like, I want to do that first. I want to remember that that that's my sin hanging there that I don't have to choose to live in, in anymore. I, I, I get to choose a better way. And so God uses us to challenge each other and but don't get those two mixed up where where that comes first and you're not first looking at your own life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that we'll wrap it up here with final thoughts from both of you, but I'll I'll kind of give my thought on what you just said Curtis. I I noticed that as well at the very end of the service uh when when Jason when you put on the the sport coat and you walked off. I I thought the same thing of of just the yeah, we, we walk in the newness of life mm -hmm, with, with mm -hmm. you know, the Lord. And it's not just me walking off by myself. It's I, I, the Lord is with me. The Lord, I don't have to go back to that. And, and Jason, you made a comment too that I thought it resonated with me too. Like, but there are times when I just want to come home and put on the old sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. The comfortable, <laughs> I know it, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that is just a, that's a real life. Mm-hmm thinking that we have like maybe that will satisfy me because it's just comfortable it's easy it you know whatever all the lies that we believe in the midst of all of that stuff and it's like man that's just it, it's the wrong answer it's the lie like oh no go back to it like you know it's like the it's the little precious thing that i have to have and it just doesn't satisfy you know mm -hmm. and only jesus is better you know and that mm -hmm. that is the thing we have to remember as we walk in the newness of life like that's that's what satisfies. Yeah. That, you know, that phrase, Jesus is better, I think is key there. Right. And I, I, I don't want people to walk away from this podcast or if they listen to Sunday's message or whatever, or any of our messages thinking, man, I got to work harder. I just got to work harder at saying no to sin. I just got to work harder at turning away or putting off, or, you know, that that's not, that's not the point here. I mean, we, we actually get to choose life. We get to choose um, to live the way God has actually made us. If you're a Christian, you are in Christ. That's how he sees you. That's how we get to see ourselves. And so stop striving and stop working so hard to be better. That's not the point. You're, those are good works. And, you know, we know our good works. What are they? Like filthy rags, just like that old sweatshirt. So, you know, be in Christ, accept his salvation, his forgiveness, what he's done for us, and uh, live day by day in, in obedience. Mm -hmm. Curtis, any final thoughts? No, other than I just have a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, it definitely really encouraged and challenged me. And Jason, I thought you were super humble. And I told you this after, but not to pump you up or anything. But I just thought the Holy Spirit was on you on a special way on Sunday. And I really appreciated it. And um, yeah, I, I think in Christ there is so much better. Mm. 
and that's what I what I walked away remembering. So people listening to this, some of them may know this, but maybe not. You two are two of the guys that are in my life in a way that you can speak to those things in my life, right? So that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I wanted you guys to talk this through with, with me on this podcast, because we have been through some of those conversations. We, You have told me, hey, like, where mm-hmm. are you at with this? Because it doesn't seem like you're in a good spot. And so this is reality for me. It's reality for us. We do this with each yeah. other. And I'm super blessed to have both of you guys in my life and, uh, you know, being able to talk with talk with you guys about this is really special because you are living this in my life. So don't stop. Yep. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Yep.